Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody, for our final episode here in October. Many say October might be the greatest sports month of the year, so it is a shame to see it come to an end. But that does mean there's a lot of good things on the horizon as well, too. Got a lot to talk about today as it is World Series time in baseball, NBA season has tipped off, the NFL season is closing on its halfway point, and much, much more. Is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey and Kelsey, the more we look at it, the more it gets a little bit better and better. I feel like the sports schedule is right now as well, too. You, you meet, reach the mountaintop, you've missed the, hit the midway point, and you've hit the tip-off, for lack of a better words, for the three major sports. Yeah, I mean, really, it's it's kind of crazy. This is the point where, for college football, you know, you're in the last, the, the home stretch. You're in the, the defining games for a lot of teams. You're in, you know, this is where the, you either make or break your chances at a conference championship, let alone even a chance at the playoffs. So, um yeah we said playoffs already yeah we're already at that point you know and the world series like is coming around the corner so you know it's always great actually this day in world series history uh pablo sandoval in 2012 hit a three three home run game so um you know that's that's the excitement that you can expect in the world series and now and then also you know hey nba basketball is just getting getting kicked off that's always exciting and you get you reach the halfway point the make or break point for for most nfl teams right before the, the trade deadline as well and so there's a lot of fun things to be talked about and it's like it it is probably one of the more exciting times of of the sports world just when everything going on and then we're not even talking about hockey we're not even talking about fisticuffs we're not even talking about the fact the world cup is just around the corner in a month like there's so many things happening in this month getting ready for just to set off the sports world it is it's so exciting absolutely as well the buyer seller market kicking in you talked about all of it and there's college basketball not too far off either as well too we can go on and on and on and on. But today, we're going to kind of center center things and t- head things into the tip-off as well to our opening segment as well. And for today's tip-off segment, we're going to focus on probably the one that's got, that's about to wrap up, and that's going to go with the World Series. We're going to look at how we got here, and we're going to make our predictions for it. So in case you don't know, well, now you do know. We got the Astros taking on the Phillies in the World Series, and just what everyone predicted, right, as well, too. Maybe at least half of this makes sense, but we'll, I'm going to start looking at the AL – Shout out to the Astros because they didn't. They technically did not lose a game this entire playoff run. Granted, they did have what should count as two games against the Mariners and one when that went to 20 innings, I believe it was, or 18. But still managed to get through all of it without a single defeat as well. So a wonderful run by the Astros. Then for the Phillies, 
do we want to say underdog? I think underdog is a safe term as well, too. It's a little cliche. It's a little overused, but definitely wasn't everybody's first bet to get there out of the NL. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that anybody's bet really to get out of the NL other than the Phillies fans. Like, I, I mean, I think we all expected really the Braves or the Padres or the Dodgers to, to make it out. I mean, we both picked somebody other than the Phillies hmm. to make it out of the uh, out of this division. I mean, honestly, we didn't even have the at one point out, we didn't even have the Phillies making it out of the wild card. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's surprising to see the Phillies in some degree, but then again, you look at that, that team, you look at that roster and it's like, all right, yeah, you guys did your thing. Congratulations. Hmm. It's about time that roster finally pays off all that money you spent. It's about time it pays off. Nick Castellanos, obviously Bryce Harper with a huge home run there to get, to send them to the world series. Congratulations to him. Uh, you know, the kid that's been literally mentioned since he was 13, by major media, and he was literally mentioned because of the quote-unquote un- unlikely success or reaching for unlikely success as a, as a young a young adult. Is it too when when is too early to be reaching for success? And no, well, here he is, thirteen. He's first mentioned. Nineteen, he makes his big league debut. Wins all sorts of awards in between nineteen and now thirty when he gets his first World Series debut. I mean, look, this is. This is big for for you know somebody like Bryce Harper and and then the, you look at the rest of this team. I mean everybody on this team is well, I guess well deserving in in their own right of a, of a trip to the World Series. So yeah, the Phillies uh, did what the unexpected. Uh, I guess they say Astros doing us all a favor beating the Yankees, um, which I think is I don't think anybody's sad about uh, mm-hmm. except for Yankees fans and even Yankees fans could be like yeah we were kind of we just we 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 reaped what we sowed after this. This offseason, I mean, really, this whole season about, I mean, from day one, other than Aaron Judge support, they've been ridiculing their own team the entire way. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, I think at this point, this point, Astros doing what they're doing, doing what we all expected them to do. Phillies doing the unexpected seems to seems to just kind of sum up both teams pretty well. I'm kind of glad you mentioned that because the Yankees, I don't want to say they were public enemy number one throughout the playoffs, but they definitely did make it hard to root for as well. So you go back to their. See their series in the DS going five games with the Guardians and then in that game five, basically asking to delay it with because of rain when there was a little bit of a baby sprinkle as well, too. And then it ends up being blue skies 99 percent of the time. And then you that ends up giving you a little bit of do I say pitching leeway or like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, you you 100 percent got yeah, yeah, you wouldn't hundred percent got an advantage with with that situation. I still blame uh, Francona for not playing Shane Bieber, but I digress on that one as well. But you you pull that one, and then in the against the Astros, you not only don't win a game, but you literally blame the fact that there's not a dome in one of the games because of the win. Unless, except Darren Judge, shout out Darren Judge. He's the only one that said I just hit it wrong. Everybody else yeah. was like, well, you know, we would have had this, or we would have had that, we would have had this, we would have had our baby Mickey Mouse ball park, we would have hit dingers like. And yeah, then- we would have had our short short porch right filled, you know. My favorite part of this whole thing with the Yankees, by the way, Aaron Boone, when they're down 3-0 in the series, he sent around tape of the Yankees blowing their 3-0 advantage to the Red Sox back in the day. And then got Why are you sending footage of your own team losing a 3-0? Why don't you choose the one where you guys beat the Red Sox? When they were up 3-0. What, why not choose that one, Boone? When you were the one that hit the home run that made a difference. Like, um, I don't – I never understand. I, why you send a video to your team of your own team's history of losing when you're I, trying to win a game? 
And on top of it, too, you called David Ortiz to give your team like the pep talk and be the extra motivation. The one, like the most Red Sox, Red Sox ever, basically, David yeah. Ortiz. They literally sent a rescue plane to help him when he had when they had that incident a few years ago when it was a life or death situation. The Red Sox literally went out of their way to save his life. That's as Red Sox as he is. And that's who you get to try and help you if you're down three and thing to the Yankees. Like very uh what's the word I'm looking for? Dumb. Very, very dumb. Very dumb. Dumb is the best way to describe it. Yeah, this is let's just put it this way. Joe Torrey would have never had that happen. And I'm not look, I'm not the biggest Joe Torrey stand in the world, but I will say that he would have never in a million years had that happen. He would have been like, Hey, what great Yankee can I call on to to come give my team a pep talk? What 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 great Yankee can I call on? Oh, I don't know. There's a pantheon of them you could choose from that are still alive, by the way, that are can, can probably still live in the New York area that could easily take a nice little jaunt over uh to the stadium and be like hey guys stop sucking we're the yankees we have 27 world titles to our names 290 million dollar payroll yeah like anything anything along those lines but no no they didn't do it and you know what i again as much as we made fun of the astros for their cheating scandal and you know whatever trash rows whatever you want to call them i don't i I think they kind of they get it they get a, a, a positive check mark in this one like you beat the yankees not only did you beat them, but you beat the crap out of them. You 4 0 them, swept them, got them out of the house, celebrated with your broom and your Budweiser in the, in the, in the locker room. Um, congratulations to them for that. And, and look, I'm going to keep saying it, man. This this Astros team is a very interesting art of money ball mixed with proper spending. Like, they go out and get proper free agents, but they played – I mean, they they started through the, through the draft, like all of money ball. And, you know, draft, unwanted players. And then next thing you know – they're picking up quality free agents in, in, in certain positions like Justin Verlander. And it's like, this is the perfect example of how you build a team from the top of the bottom up for the Astros. And then, you know, for the Phillies, it's just like kind of the new age Yankees in a lot of ways. Let's hmm. just throw a bunch of money at players and see what we can do. It works. I do want to point out one thing you mentioned as well to the Astros kind of feeling like they're doing it. The, they're doing it the right way. And on top of that, they're doing this after bouncing back after losing the world series last year as well, too. There's always that talk about you lose the championship one year. It's really hard to get back the next year just because there's that little bit of a hangover, a little bit of that bouncing back feeling as well. They came back and were the best team in the AL pretty comfortably, I'd say, too. I mean, I know records might be a little bit closer here and there, but I think we all kind of knew if they matched up with the Yankees, they were beating the Yankees. I think we all felt pretty comfortable with that for the most part as well, too. And yeah. really the most of the AL, was there wasn't too many AL threats. They came back and they handled that pretty comfortably. And they're going into the World Series as hot as any team I can remember in recent memory, honestly, as well, too. I mean, I'm going to count that Seattle that you played two games. So, really, you beat Seattle three to, no, three to nothing in a three, and as well as beating four, four, oh, four, oh. four, oh, excuse me. I'm still counting that one as two games. That's what I'm saying. So, you come in on an eight to nothing run, basically. And I think, I think you kind of said it. They're fresh, they're healthy, they're deep, they're very dangerous to go against. But Philly, they, you mentioned it earlier. I'm going to go back to it. finally paying, playing up to their potential, not just Bryce Harper, the former LeBron James of baseball, as he was called, but the entire team as well, too. From the pitching lineups, they have the real, they're not quite as deep as the Astros, I think, but those players, those high level marquee players, have really played up to the potential you had laid out for them as well, too. And I think you remember the Giants when they how they in in football, they just randomly get to like the Super Bowl and beat the Patriots, even though it made no sense really, but they'd still get on a run and do it. <laughs> This kind of reminds me in a similar way of that as well, too, where they just got hot at the right time. They ran through some clearly better teams. Next thing you know, they find themselves going up against that juggernaut, but 
they have a little bit of something that even the Astros can't match with a Bryce Harper's and of those guys as well. To like their peak power, you could say is arguably a little bit higher than the Astros. It's just a little bit harder to get there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd actually say honestly, if you look at both teams, the the roster for the Phillies is better than the roster for the Astros. That's what I'm saying. When they when they get at their best, they're the better. They just are too busy. Yeah, yeah, they're too busy looking. They're too busy counting their paychecks. Honestly, Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. You get Kyle Schwarber, and he's paid how much money to to sit there and strike out 50 percent of the time? That's Mm -hmm. it's absolutely silly. I I, it bothers me when when somebody like Kyle Schwarber who hits her power and strikes out a bunch is getting paid 19 million dollars a year i dude if you want a guy who can strike out a bunch and occasionally hit one over the fence call me Hmm. like i got you i'll strike out 300 times and give you 25 home runs which is what kyle schwarber does he doesn't actually strike out 300 times but you get my point like he strikes out an an insane amount of times and then hits you 25 home runs you're like that's worthy of 19 million dollars what no come on like it's the definite like this is a, the the Phillies are really the definition of bad. What's bad about baseball? They're the reason that the shift is getting banned. The Astros are the reason that the shift should be still implemented uh, because you know you just learn to hit the other way. You mm. you literally bunt to the other side of the field. Don't just keep pulling the ball. Anyways, I, I'm I could go on I could go on a rant about this one because everything the Phillies do it bothers me because they just literally they just threw money at a bunch of players that honestly their advanced statistics aren't great. Like their strikeout to to hit ratio is not great, but you know what? Their their strikeout their home run to hit ratio is pretty high because they don't get very many hits. But when they do, they're home runs. Like that's what that's what's best for this team, I guess. So it's the new MLB. I'm still trying to get used to it, so wrap my head around it. But I, we'll see. We'll see so, how this goes in the World Series. So based on everything you said there, sticking with the Astros is the World Series pick, or the Phillies maybe? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm still sticking with the Astros. <laughs> I I picked them before the before the playoffs started. I'm going to stick with them. Astros going to win this one. I actually got to have this one probably going 4-2 Astros. I think the Phillies can win win a couple games, but it's probably going to be close to that 4-2, um, maybe 4-1 Astros. As much as I'd love to pick the Phillies just for us to go like back and forth, have a little bit of a, ha, oh, we didn't pick the same. I'm having a hard time picking against the Astros too. Like there's, I didn't have the Astros winning the whole thing. We did our predictions, which my predictions were clearly terrible this year. But I just – I kind of agree with you. I can see the Phillies stealing a game, just like when everything's kind of clicking on all, but I can't see them taking a full series. The way they play, it's not conducive of winning over the course of a series. I can see them maybe stealing a game. Maybe they even somehow win it like eight to one or something dramatic in one game, but I can't yeah. see them pulling that off four times. So I'm going to go with the Astros four to one. It's it's the the boomer bust, literally. Like you either hit home, you either hit home runs and your bats start working immediately, or you get off to a slow start and you have to hope for a, a, a random home run burst in the middle of a game. I like guess this is the problem with the Phillies lineup is they're always going to struggle because they don't have any, any really on base high on base percentage guys. They have high OPS guys, high on, on base plus slugging because of the slugging side of things, mm-hmm. but not because of the on base percentage. Like, like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, but yeah. So we're both going Phillies. I, I, I guess I'm not, we're both going Astros. Sorry. So I guess I'm not really surprised. I'll, I'll say the Phillies will take one. And I think they'll, I'm going to even just my bold prediction, quote unquote, will be they will win that game by the biggest margin of the series. It's like they will have the biggest win. Like they'll win that eight to one where the Astros will win the other four, like four to two or something like that, where I could see Philly just randomly get cooking. And the Astros really, really good at getting on base, really good at the the small ball, quote unquote. I hate saying that because it's so goofy sounding, but you know what I mean? Like just playing fundamentally sound baseball. But I think 
I don't think if it gets into a firefight, the Phillies will be able to take one of the Astros back out. Well, we're up 3-1. They can have this one. We'll beat them next time. And then just slowly death by a thousand paper cuts them eventually. They're too fundamentally sound. And there's something to say when you're literally, I'm giving them eight. I'm still giving them two wits for that one. So they're eight and a oh on the season so far. Or seven, seven, oh, and one. Because you'll say that that half a game with the Mariners was a tie since you played them two full sets of nine innings with them. So however you want to slice it, no one is beating them this postseason. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I honestly, I'm I'm glad the Astros are there for a lot of reasons. I mean, I, look, I still remember this team being a basement dweller for many years. So for for me to see them kind of that that new turn powerhouse, and then like the Phillies, obviously they're a historic franchise. Can't take anything away from that. You got, but again, yeah, I hate it's it's the new MLB style of just throwing money at players, even though they don't quite deserve it. it it's just always going to bother me. So. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how this goes for sure. Well, there's rumors that a few of those Yankee players we talked about earlier might not want to stay with the Yankees and that there'll be people throwing money at them. So we'll see. They, how that... they, they gave a projected roster for the Dodgers next year that includes Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani already. And I'm like, I, are you kidding me? No. Like, they already won 111 games. You're trying to get them to win 130 games? Get bu- still bust in the DS again? Like, come on. <laughs> If that happens, I will not watch a single game next year as well. Too, I will simply keep track. I will simply look at the tr- at the ticker at that point. But I will not yeah. watch if they end up with Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge on top of it. I will refuse. I will boycott. Crazy. Absolutely hey, crazy. Anyway, we could go off on these. We we can go off and unfortunately speak those into his existence. But we're going to do our best to avoid that altogether. And we're going to go ahead and wrap up the World Series talk here as well. Too, we're going to head over to our main event now. Our main event, of course, is brought to you by our good friends over at Manscaped as well. Too the premier company for men's grooming and hygiene products. Use the code HILOSPORTS at checkout. Get yourself 20% off as well, too. It is holiday season. It is time for some birthday gifts and some Christmas gifts coming up, as well as around the corner. And you know what, Kelsey? We have a few products here that they were nice enough to send us. We wanted to give ourselves a little shout-out to as well. I'll go and start off with the first one they sent me. This is this is a, this little toy here. Give it a little buzz buzz. This is the Weed Whacker they sent as well, too. So it's not just all men's grooming for downstairs as well. They include... Things that you can use elsewhere. This one used for nose hairs and ear hair as well, too. If you're like me that likes to grow a little bit of facial hair, especially in this mustache area right by your nose, you can see sometimes you get a little bit of stray hairs coming down as well, too. Can't always see them, but if you get up close, with, if you're, especially if you're with that special somebody, you got that really, really long, almost Rapunzel-looking nose here that can be quite repulsive. A quick buzz, buzz, click, clip, and suddenly you're clean and ready to go as well, too. So I would highly recommend that as well as several other other products that don't just include your pair downstairs as well. So it's not just that. They have a little bit of something for everybody. Now, Kelsey, speaking of the pair down there, you yeah, got a little look, something I mean, for them that you think that think can help out, especially the big guys out there. Yeah, look, uh, big guys, let me let me list you on a little something. It's called the Crop Preserver. See this little type, thing on top? It's talking about how it is cologne-based. Look, man, I got to tell you, as a big guy, you sweat. Swamp ass <laughs> sucks. If you're in a hot environment, swamp ass sucks. Like we all know about it, we all experience it. Athletes, especially, we've all experienced it. Like we all, we all invested in baby powder, right? That was our thing. That was what we were always taught. No, forget that. Get this crop preserver. It is absolutely fantastic, life saving. Uh, we go to Georgia, Florida game this weekend in Jacksonville. We're gonna have an absolutely great, great time. And honestly, I'm not gonna have to worry about chafing because of this. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, love it to death. And honestly, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, head on over to manscaped.com. Use the code HILOSPORTS in the checkout. Get 20% off. Like It's a perfect holiday gift for you, your special someone, your uncle, your aunt, your cousin, anybody. Literally, it doesn't have to be male or it doesn't have to be male just to get these. Like, look, I know Manscaped, shape, you know, care about your pair, but 
it works for everybody. Absolutely anybody who has to deal with Swamp Pass. So go check it out, guys. Absolutely recommend it. Manscaped.com, high low sports at checkout for 20% off. Absolutely. You definitely don't want to miss out on that one. Definitely go check them out as well, too, especially find a little stocking stuffer or something like that as well, too. It's very, very efficient gift gift giving as well, too. And let us help you out. And you help us out, and we help you out with code Hilo Sports as well, too. So always a pleasure to get to talk about man, our good friends over at Manscaped. But that's going to take us now into the main event segment as well, too. You know, we, we like to kind of do this for you somewhere. We look back at what happened in sports as well, too. And we had ourselves a relatively busy weekend, and we're going to start with the NBA season getting underway as well to tipping off, if you will. And there was some good, there was some bad, there was some heinously ugly, and there's a little bit of something in between. So Kelsey, I'll let you go ahead and pick up. What's the NBA opening week's storyline that sticks out to you right off the bat? Well, I, uh, you know, I, I, okay. So I have a, I have a preference to take the negative stories and just put them out there first because you get the negative out of the way and you can start thinking about happy thoughts, right? Well, this is actually kind of a negative. That's such a happy thought for everybody else in the world. Hmm. And that is, there are three winless teams. It kind of hurts me. I am one of the, my, my, my team is one of those, the Kings, the magic. And guess who is the third, the Hmm. LA Lakers. Dun, dun, dun. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Wills, uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, I'll get to Russell Wilson later. Uh, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, you name this crew, and they are absolutely terrible. Uh, they are sitting at 0-3 right now. Magic 0-4. Kings also 0-3. Um, and it's uh, yes. I, I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm looking at it, and I'm still kind of in disbelief. But everybody else in the world is excited about this. The Lakers suck. We all <laughs> this is something that we all love to see. Everybody in the world loves to see the Lakers suck. The only thing that would be better is the Lakers and the Celtics sucked. Um, then we'd all be happy. That'd be a, a great day. But we can't get everything we want. You know, it's not Christmas time yet. <laughs> Give it time. Uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, I, that's the one I want to start with. I, what is the Lakers' problem? Like, really, at this point in time, what can we say is Lakers' problem? Because we all want to put. They, everybody wants to put it on Russ. But if you're the world's greatest player, a potential goat. How do you not take any of the, the, the onus on this one? And then if you're Anthony Davis, how do you get scot-free through all of this, considering you were the guy that LeBron said, if you sign him, I will come to L.A.? Like, how does this happen that L.A. has everything LeBron wanted except for wins? Well, what's wrong with L.A.? Well, we only got about 40 minutes left, so I don't have time to go too deep into that as well. But we'll keep oh, we'll, I'll keep my little rundown quick and simple as well, too, and we'll pass it back to you for it. But obviously, Russ has been terrible. He's shooting eight percent from three on what is considered wide open threes which means like nobody's within i think it's a six or eight foot range of when they're shooting their three he is one of an eight or one of not one of 11 something like that as well to like one maybe. point is it's terrible mid-range shots what he used to be actually really good as a sprinting then just randomly pulling up almost a full momentum he can't even hit that now we saw that at the end of the portland game shooting it two for one situation when you have the lead you shot at 25 seconds going for the two for one so terrible shot selection Still plays hard, but he plays reckless is the problem. Not, doesn't control the ball, and now he's pressing twice as hard. All the good things about Russ have mitigated while the bad things have exponentially increased. Anthony Davis is statistically the last couple of years the worst jump shooter in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. He, for Just from those outside jump shots where it's cool that you can make them, but it's not your game really. We know you used to be a guard until you suddenly just grew. But you need to be playing in that mid-range elbow extended in. Take people off the dribble, jab step, dribble, pop up, something like that. You don't need to be shooting threes. You don't need to be putting work on the perimeter. LeBron, like you mentioned, potential GOAT candidate, one of the greatest we've ever seen. 
right now he's taking up terrible shots as well too he is not out of the scot free some of those threes he's just chucking up he looks completely unmotivated and like he is just like you know what i'll just get my points i'll get cream i'll get to cream's record and we'll go from there he's i can't read into the mind of somebody i don't know what actually is going on but his body language is like that of someone who does not really care right now you look at the surrounding pieces too who put this team together my goodness like what in an nba that is all about spacing and basically drive and kick and spreading the ball around it. The ISO is basically used to create an open three or to take an open shot. They have nobody you can shoot. Like my goodness, like Patrick Beverly, Austin Reeves, like what? Not one person do you look at it back? Oh, we can't leave them open. Like the Anthony Davis and LeBron are arguably the best shooters and they don't terrify you unless it's one of those random nights where LeBron's cooking, which is, once every five games where he's hitting like those fadeaway step backs, like, or if he's playing Toronto, I guess, but that's, that's different. <laughs> play Toronto every night. But my point is nobody on there really scares you offensively. The one thing I do like they're playing defense pretty good this year for the most part. Like they're actually hustling. They're rotating. They're in pretty good spots. They're not being late lazy. Like we've accused them of the last couple of years where they're just not trying this year. Defensively they're trying, which is testament to the coaching staff, but offensively, it feels like I'm watching the Colts and the Broncos Thursday night. Every time I watch them take the court right now, it feels like like there's just, they're so discombobulated and I'm not going to put it all on Russ. I'm not that guy. He's been terrible, but he's at least playing hard and he's not accepting his six man role, which is not helping, but nobody else is carrying their weight either. They're basically using that as a cop out. And I feel like they're going to have to find a way to trade him and get something in return. I don't, I just, I've not seen a worse meshing of three superstars like we talk about the brooklyn one with james harden kyrie and kevin durant well they only played like 20 games together so we don't even know how bad that really could have been these guys make absolutely no sense together it's just not working so they got if you're gonna move lebron you're gonna move anthony davis you're gonna move westbrook most likely westbrook i feel like you gotta try and move him just get a guy who can catch and shoot maybe play a little defense just like what stephen jackson used to be just get something like that in return that fits because Right now, this conglomeration of parts just doesn't make sense. And nobody's going to ever say it. Nobody in the team's going to say it. But eye test really isn't lying on this one. There's a terrible, it's the worst mixing of parts. It's like they threw mayonnaise, spaghetti, and oysters into the same pot and expected it to work. Three things separately, maybe, okay, there's a way that you can make it work. But together, it's, well, that just sounds heinous, what I just described there as well, too. So you get my point there. Yeah, no, okay. So I, you know, we've talked about plus minuses and, and my love hate relationship with them, but this I feel like this is very defining for this team. Do you know how many Lakers are above the plus minus threshold? So they're in the positives. I think there's only one, right? No, four. Oh, okay. four. I'm gonna name them and tell me how many of them you think. Like, tell me how many of them you recognize. Like their play style: Cole Switter, who Max Christie. Who? Scotty Pippen Jr. Woohoo. And Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly is actually in the positive for plus minus. Three. He's at a three. They're all at a three. A 3.0. League average is about six if for a positive. Um, so yeah, 3.0. These guys are still up below the league average, but they're the only positives on the team. Now it gets worse. Kendrick Nunn is absolutely horrid this season. <laughs> they had a minus 14.7. I can't like I can't describe how bad that is on for a player. For their season total for a plus minus to be an average at four at minus 14.7. LeBron, minus three. Anthony Davis, minus four point three. Russell Westbrook, minus five point three. So to your point, he's the worst of the big three. But not by much. 
it has not been by much. And how Anthony Davis is getting through scot free on this, I don't, I'll never understand. Um, to your point about defense, yeah, they actually do look fantastic defensively. They have four guys above two steals a game, which is really good right now. Um, but again, you look at this and it's just, it is awful. And to your point about who put this together, the fact that the, the only guys that are positive, the only name you recognize is Patrick Beverly, who plays, uh, what, 12 minutes a game, I believe, is, or, or sorry, 29 minutes a game, but gives you five points in a game. Like, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> a guy that plays 29 minutes gives you five points a game and he's the only one in the positive that's that is not good um I'm, bruce bowen gave you at least double digits and and he was a defensive stalwart like I, I i need points i need points from somewhere anywhere at this point in time for this lakers team and if they want to get back in this and to your point i don't know who they trade i, I can you trade westbrook for anything can, does anybody want westbrook at this point in time not for that contract like and then okay, so maybe you trade Anthony Davis, but can can who can who can, who can pay Anthony Davis? Where's Anthony get, Davis going to go? Out. That he's not just going to come back to the Lakers the next season. Okay, what about LeBron? LeBron, you, you tra- trade LeBron. Where are you going to trade LeBron though? Who wants to and take that tra- contract on? And you can't even trade him till January anyway because he just resigned too. Yeah. So like you look at this, you look at this team, and you're just like, what can you trade? Draft picks? You don't have very many of those left either. Um, you not know, till twenty seven, and they're refusing to trade those ones too. So yeah, because because that's when that's when Bronny comes out. Um, so yeah, like it's this this team has been. We joked about it before in, in LeBron's in LeBron's career, and I you know I, I I respect the hell out of LeBron's career. I respect what he did on the uh, on the court, but the one thing he it always gets involved in that always corrupts the team is that front office moves, and somehow here we are again, yet another team where it's all focused on what LeBron wants, and it's failing again. You get the coach LeBron wants, failing. Get the players LeBron wants, it's failing. You trade for the players LeBron wants, it's failing, and you have no draft capital. <laughs> like, what do you, like, at this point in time, I don't, know, I don't know why anybody listens to LeBron at this point in time. And it's like, he's trying to prove he can do it, and he can lead a front office before he's out of the, before he's done playing. And that's never been a good thing for any player. Hell, MJ couldn't even do it after he left the the, the court. So, yeah. So, all that being said, we won't make this a full Lakers segment. But last, I know, I was just it's like it's it's so it's so glorious, and yet at the same time, so flabbergasting that they're so bad. The last thing we'll go, touch on this one is: Do you think they still? Do you think they make the playoffs? And I think that, they I mean, do figure it out. Like get to the play in tournament. I do think they figure it out and they get the play in tournament, but I don't think. I don't know if they make it through the playing tournament again. Um, I'll be honest. I'll say they get through the playing tournament, but it's a quick. Uh, it, it's going to be tough, and they're going to some things are definitely going to have to change as well too. And they all know that. I'm not the coach, but and I I like I like him. I think he's a quality coach. He has them playing defensively, playing hard. There's just he was unfortunately instead of getting a chance to build, kind of build a little bit of a structure with like Lincoln Logs. They gave they gave him a house of cards in the middle of a hurricane and said make this happen. So he's he's got a lot going against him right now. But I do think he's a high quality coach. The other one I want to point out too, looking at the, these opening few games so far as well too. Another team I kind of want to take a look at is how about the Phoenix Suns coming out looking pretty strong as well too. Three and one I believe on there as well too, including yeah. a blowout of the Warriors. We kind of talked about it in our predictions thing. We expect them to be good, especially probably in that mid season mark as well too. Is kind of what we were thinking once every. 
because we expect maybe some of the offseason turmoil might carry off in the beginning. DeAndre Ayton in that situation, the owner situation with Sarver. Then midseason, but kind of right around after that subsides, then Chris Paul, before he gets starts to wear down, they hit like a run. Then the back end, we see the Suns do what the Suns do. But they've come out of the gates firing, and they look – honestly, they're not missing a beat right now. Minus DeAndre Ayton, he's the only one who seems – like he, he has his moments, but it feels like there are some times where he's just not – you could tell he's like, do I really want to be here right now after what happened last year? I'm still going to play. I'm still going to do what I can. I'm not going to let people down, but just, I'm just imagining they probably should try to sign and trade him. But the Suns, despite all of that, they might be in the contention for that number one or number two seed yet again as well, too. Devin Booker's taking his game up, even that next level as well. Yeah, I, look, I, I love what the Suns are doing. I, I I think like on on the court, it's actually fantastic to see that they're able to kind of put aside all the other stuff and, and keep playing. Um, I do worry about DeAndre Ayton though. That is still a worry for me because you can't go a whole season. Hell, you couldn't even go the playoffs without that guy not performing. And when he didn't perform, you lost games. So like, I do worry about the DeAndre Ayton aspect of things. Um, but yeah, I do think I think I think everything else they're doing is is, is working for now. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see with this team. I, and, and you know it's it's funny the, the their only loss, by the way, comes to an undefeated team, one of two undefeated teams, a team that is getting disrespected, by the way, by ESPN's power rankings. Um, and that's the the Portland Trailblazers. If you guys haven't checked out the Portland Trailblazers, they beat the Nuggets and the Suns, and the Nuggets and the Suns are both ranked higher than them on the power rankings for by ESPN and the most recent ones that came out just today. Um, but by the way, uh, Dame, two forty point games, uh, just quietly, no big deal. Uh, Jeremy Grant looking fantastic. Anthony looking great. I, I, this who would have thought the Trailblazers of all teams four zero right now? Could you know it'd be great? Imagine if they made a move for DeAndre Ayton as well to pull him in to give them a little more force in that front line. Because you mentioned Dame Lillard, he's back. He's healthy. It's he's still Dame timing. Simon obviously really. Jeremy Grant was a better addition than I thought it would be. I thought he'd be a good player that can like get. He's still an easy twenty point a game, twenty point a night type of player. But he actually fits in really smooth and seamlessly too, which is a pleasant surprise fit. I thought they'd just be like two guys that can get buckets, but don't really translate to winning. But they they got something. They got something. It's early. It's very very early. But it is early. They keep this going closer to the trade deadline when teams are starting to sell a little bit. Maybe the Blazers are like you know what we're sitting as the four seed right now hypothetically. Hey, let's throw in some draft picks and maybe something here. And DeAndre Ayton, come on down and play with a team that's not going to you know a coach that's not going to basically poop on you right after game seven or maybe someone along those lines maybe another team is sell is trying to sell get some draft picks or they're just falling apart they're tanking whatever it might be maybe the blazers end up being buyers by the mid by the midseason mark as opposed to maybe sellers that a lot of people probably anticipate them being yeah no i mean that's a good point maybe you even see a a, a use of nurkic deandre Ayton plus i mean obviously picks going to phoenix and actually i think that move a move like that could be something that's beneficial for both teams because Nurkic would fit in very well with what the Suns like to do. And DeAndre Ayton would fit in very well with Dame. We already know that. Like those two just seemed like they'd fit very well together with the play styles. We've seen Dame with big guys before, especially big guys who are athletic um, and, and more defensive focused. He does fantastic with them. So I think that could be something works out pretty well for the Blazers. And really DeAndre wouldn't be like that three and a half or fourth score as well too, as far as guys to go chase buckets. So if he's having a rough night offensively, he's not going to get crapped on. It's like, all right, We'll just have to work a little more outside. Like Dame's still going to be option one. Jeremy Grant, I think, is going to be option number two scoring. And you still got yeah. Simon as well, too. So I think it allows DeAndre Ayton to kind of fit in as a 17 to 20 and 12 guy, as opposed to we want you to be 25 and 15. You don't have to try and make him 12 and beat or something that he's not. So 
I, it's not going to happen, especially because you have to make salaries match and all that. It's not going to happen, but in my head, it makes it a fun pipe dream and it makes Portland, I think, a dangerous playoff team, not just a team that kind of in recent memory where they overachieve in the regular season. Then by playoff time, it's like, well, slow down Dame and have it forced him to shoot logo threes and you have a chance because he can only hit 80% from there once against the Nuggets, basically. Like you could, they've been a rough playoff out, but I think he gives them something that makes them a little more dangerous playoff time. So it won't happen, but we can, we can hope as well too. The last team I'll quickly touch on before we switch switch over to to the gridiron, the New Orleans Pelicans look like a team. They look like they have something brewing down there. We kind of talked about it when we did our predictions. We like the players. We just want to see how they fit and see how the coaching fits and if Zion can play and stay healthy. Well, so far you've had him for three of the four games. He looks pretty darn good again. He looks like Zion. 60 points because he's dunking every play or shooting layups. Brandon Ingram is a bucket. And I bet the Lakers are looking at like, damn, we should have kept him. We really should have found a way to kept him and trade everybody else. CJ McCollum, still CJ McCollum. All three of them missed the game. I think it was two days ago. The New Orleans Pelicans still found a way to win it too. It's a very well coached and a very, very good team. So I'm looking at the Pelicans as a potential, not just a playoff team, but maybe one that even bypasses the play-in tournament, somebody to keep an eye out for if they could stay healthy. Because I like what's going down there in the Big Easy. Yeah, no, look, I mean – you know, you mentioned Zion, and and yeah, he's been either dunking or he's been actually the, his mid range shots have been absolutely on point right now this this season. Um, not up to his career standards; he's a career sixty percent shooter, but this season sitting at about forty nine point one. But still, I mean, looks pretty good. The only thing that scares me is the injury thing that he's missing a game for now is a posterior hip contusion. So basically, the backside of his hip hurts. Hmm. He's got a big big old bruise on it. Well, that just means you can't sit down. It means you, you bump into anybody. And by the way, any spin move off of anybody, that's going to hit somebody and hurt. So, I mean, it, how bad is it really? How how much is that going to affect him going forward? How bad does that change? Because he loves that spin move. Absolutely loves that spin move going into the paint. So, we'll have to see how that goes forward. But, yeah, Brandon Eager, man. I, I, yeah. I like <laughs> Thank you, Brandon Ingram, for finally like being the Brandon Ingram we've been trying to – to hope you you could be for forever at this point in time. I just being out of LA was the best thing that happened to his career. The worst thing for Absolutely. LA. That's the one guy they should have kept. Yeah, and then again, the guy that we all kind of overlook every time. I feel like we talk about this Portland team, or, or not Portland, but uh, <laughs> New Orleans team uh, <laughs> is a former Portland player in CJ McCollum. Um, I think CJ is is still still that dude, uh, but he's getting a little more into a volume that dude. Um, and it's a little more nerve wracking. So Brandon Ingram is, is is getting better, you know, um, consistency wise. But then you got CJ just like putting up more shots, getting more points, but putting up way more shots. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Less number eight Kobe, more twenty four Kobe, please. Mm-hmm. Let's and- let's get some let's get some get some accuracy with your shooting, please. And he does bring in a nice veteran leadership to go with it as well, too. So definitely a team to look out for as well, too. We're going to be talking a lot of NBA this year. There's a lot to cover. It won't just be what's going on here. And La La Land, there'll be a lot more to talk about moving forward as well, too. But next, we're going to head over to the gridiron as well, too, and take a look at some of the things that happened over week seven in the NFL. And, you know, I'm going to start with one on this one. I'm going to start with what happened after week seven as well, too. And in Indianapolis, we see a quarterback change as well as Matt Ryan will be getting he looks like he's being benched for the rest of the season in part due to injury, in part due to coach's decision slash owner's decision, which is what it's been basically laid out as is. It sounds like that's the owner's preference, but we'll see Sam Ellinger 
the former Texas Longhorn, most famously known for saying we're back for like five minutes and never being back. And we'll see what he has as they take on the Washington Commanders this weekend. I'll go and get your thoughts on this one first. What are your thoughts on seeing the Colts not only going to the quarterback change, but basically stating Matt Ryan, for lack of better terms, will not be playing for us the rest of the season, barring a list of injuries. Well, okay, so it needs to be prefaced by saying Matt Ryan is actually injured, and that is what led to them being like, look, we're tired of seeing you get beaten up. Like, let's throw a young guy out there and see if he can survive. Yeah, they also said he will not be the backup until worse comes to worse, too. Right, yeah. So they're, they're, they're saying Nick Foles will serve as backup until, you know, a further date. I, I honestly think it, two things. I think, one, Matt Ryan is actually injured far worse than we are thinking. Um, and that's why he's not going to serve as a backup. Is he's just basically going to be, like, inactive, just getting, getting healthy, getting his paychecks. It's kind of their way of being like, hey, we respect you. We're going to let you keep getting your paycheck. Don't worry, um, hmm. type of a thing but we're not going to put you on the injured reserve where you don't get your full paycheck. Um, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, and then, but then all the, all the flip side of things, I think this is a good move for, for Indy. Um, there is obvious. There needs to be a change. And I think by going to Sam Ellinger, the biggest part of this is you then simplify your playbook. There's going to be no more exotic blocking schemes. There's going to be no more crazy situations on the outside with the receivers. It's going to be very simple. RTDB. RTDB, third down and five slant. Very simple offense. It may be very easy to read, but you know what? If you do simple things effectively, you're unstoppable. So it's a very it's a very simple game that the Colts are going to be playing going forward. I think it's beneficial for the Colts offense. Obviously, we still have an issue with the Colts defense that needs to be solved. But I think for the Colts, that's probably a good move going forward. I, I feel like, obviously, I would have loved to see them go in the offseason instead of getting Matt Ryan, have actually drafted somebody. But beggars can't be choosers at this point in time. I will say, hopefully, Sam Ellinger still has a solid 40 because he's going to be running for his life. From what we've seen with this, we've seen from the offense, the offensive line, the blocking schemes, the regression, you could say, and some really high, what we thought were really high-level players. So hopefully, his, good thing his legs work because he's going to have to use them as well. We'll see if the, I feel like he's going to. I think that first week against Washington, he's going to see a packed box. They're going to put eight in there and say, All right, here's cover zero. Read it and beat it. See if you can block it. See, try and run away from it. Because the best way to stop a scrambling quarterback is to cover zero blitz him. We saw that be how Pete teams, Lamar's still adapting to getting getting past that. And he's starting to get better at it as well. But all right, Sam Ellinger, it's your first time under center. This offense is struggling. They're bottom seven in the league. The offensive line makes no sense how it is so bad. How many times? How many times have we seen multiple guys on their back by the end of a four-second play? Like it seems like every other play, there's uh, including Matt Ryan. <laughs> oh, if we include Matt Ryan, then it's three to four every single play. Like it makes it's no ridiculous. sense how bad they progressed. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's it's like Madden when they ran like, oh, you hit thirty, and then drop you eight eight points or something like that. It, they it feels like this is one where like they'll win a couple of games, but it gives it lowers the temperature on the hot seat a little bit, I guess. And because and at the same time, it's Matt Ryan, if he gets hurt and he's not healthy, but and he can't pass a physical in the offseason, they owe him more money. Like he has an injury guarantee. So it feels like at this point, like Matt Ryan, we are sorry we got you killed. This was elder abuse. We apologize, but we're not paying you that extra 30 million of if you are on the roster and if you are or if and if you are injured by like March 18th or whatever the whatever the date is. I don't remember off the top of my head, but there's a lot of money guaranteed if he's on the roster and if he's not healthy in the offseason. So at this point, I think they're saying, all right. We have the full reset, Sam Ellinger. If you are Tom Brady 2.0 with that six-round pick self, here you go, guy. Go go save us really quick. If not, 
Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, whatever season you want to call it as well. I think the the plug-and-play geriatric quarterback season is finally over. I think we'll see some major changes to that team as well, and I think this is just the beginning of it. I don't want to say the head coach is as good as gone, but he's probably as good as gone. The GM's not as good as gone, but boy, is he close. Like, I think there's going to see it be a whole lot of changes as well. So I think this is just the beginning of what might be a mini rebuild, and I wouldn't be surprised if they turn into mini sellers as well too. I'm not saying they're going to sell like a Jonathan Taylor or anything like that, but Yannick and Dockway, maybe Stephon Gilmore because he's been playing lights out, maybe a team that needs a contender that needs a corner. You, you never know. I'm not ruling out. They're not going to go full what we thought the Panthers would do, but something to keep an eye on there as well, which they're not far out of the playoff race, but at the same time, they're pretty far out of the playoff race as well too. They're they're probably the worst team that's still technically quote-unquote in it right now. So there's yeah. – We'll see. There's a lot to keep an eye on there as well, too. If I'm in Indianapolis, I am already sending all of my scouts to Kentucky versus Tennessee this week. And I'm saying, which one of these guys do I want? We're going to whatever one is available. And your goal is to win no more than five games this year. And I'm sorry for the head coach and the GM, but you won't get around to reap those benefits. So you probably should have tried to grab a quarterback before in the last five or six years after Andrew retired instead, maybe instead of trying to grab geriatrics, but I don't maybe offensive linemen to help him. Yeah. They really never did that as well. You look at it as well to you. It's like, we got Quentin and brain Smith. We're good. And Ryan Kelly. Well, they play like dog shit right now. For anyone who's watched them, they look terrible. I think Quentin Nelson has been on his back more time. He's been on his back more times than a single game this year. than Zach Martin has holding penalties in his entire career. That is how bad he has regressed. And since Anthony Costanzo retired, they have not addressed left tackle. They got in a broken Eric Fisher coming off an Achilles and a turnstile. So we'll, there's a, there's a lot to redo there. They, they drafted such good players at such not important positions. Like if they were building a burrito, they got some high quality cheese and some top of the line lettuce, but they forgot tortilla, the tortilla and the chicken or meat or whatever you want there. There's no left tackle. There's no edge rusher. They finally brought in a corner. There's rotating quarterbacks. Hey, you got a darn good guard and a great off-ball linebacker and a great nickel corner. That's struggled this year, too. So, yeah, set it on fire. We'll see what's next. Tennessee versus Kentucky. We're sending all of our scouts there. We're going to – one of those quarterbacks is coming to Indy next year. Get ready to trade up. That would be my move if I'm with them. Barring Sam Ellinger going on like a eight-game winning streak or something like that and proves that he's that dude. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's – it's it's uh yeah, it's been bad in Indy, to say the least. Uh, the comment says itself, says itself. Nelson's regression is wild. Um, but look, I I, I kind of want to get away from the bad news here a little bit, uh, but that can't. <laughs> yeah, this, unfortunately, we really can't get away from the bad news because there was one other trade that happened after the week um, as well that uh, very impactful for one team that actually had a really great Monday night, and that's the Bears trading mm-hmm. Robert Quinn for a fifth-round pick. And by the way, if you haven't seen, Rokon Smith was actually on the mic when this trade happened. Um, he was actually in a press conference, and somebody was like, "Hey, did you see what happened? Robert Quinn just got traded. Him and Robert Quinn, long term, long has, has since Robert Quinn had joined the team. It's been well known that those two are very close. And actually, gets tearful on the on the mic. Actually, has to leave the press conference early. So I come to you with this question: Bears, you win a big game. You look great doing it. You've looked good the last couple of weeks. You just missed a couple of close games. Why are you selling? I will say I don't mind selling Robert Quinn. I hate when you did it. That is my biggest problem. Is you should have done it weeks ago. Maybe there wasn't a market for him weeks ago. Maybe it just finally heated up. And that's a whole lot of money for a guy who is, wasn't really doing a whole lot for you this year. He earned a lot of money last year and this year not as much. 
So I get it. But at the same time, it's like right when you're kind of in the playoff thick of it as well to like you have it. It's tough because the trade deadline's right around the corner. I get I get it. And then the Eagles, too. I mean, my goodness, they're 12 deep on defensive in that in that front seven. Now, it's absolutely insane. But I I get it. But I don't get it at the same time, if that makes sense. Like what a weird time to do it. And to trade it to an, to the Eagles as well, too, for a fifth round pick that I think they said could become a fourth or something like that. Like, it feels like you. I just don't know. It's very weird, and this this Bears front office has been very very weird since they took over. And for I'm just glad they didn't trade away an offensive lineman at this point as well, too. You don't even have enough starters at this point, let alone to be trading stuff away. But we'll see what they have in mind. I know Robert Quinn hasn't quite been Robert Quinn this year, but the we'll, defense has been pretty good, especially on the back end. So maybe we'll see. Will we see Roquan move, do you think? I don't think so. I think because he played a heck of a Monday night game, too, by the way. He had a really good oh, he had a fantastic season. I think they're still going to try and work it out with him, but he's not going to get that Darius Leonard money slash Shaquille Leonard money because what we've seen as soon as he got paid, he's played a half. Like it's at that position, it's too not unimportant, but it's not as important as a left tackle, a quarterback, a corner, an edge rusher, an off ball linebacker's a nice luxury. Like, mate, especially what health is the other issue for those smaller linebackers like Roquan and Darius Leonard, the guys who fly, but they're undersized and then they have to take on guard. So they could agree to like a 15 to $16 million a year range, maybe, but I don't think he's going to get that 19 to 20. And case in point, as you look at what happened with the Colts and paying Shaquille Leonard, went in a position that's very, very volatile towards health on a smaller player. So I hope they do. Cause I like seeing Roquan Smith. He fits in Chicago. That defense has come together nicely, but, I'm going to lean towards he finishes the season, but they don't resign him. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see with Roquan. Uh, but I do want to go to a trade that actually did work out and that we actually got to see play during week seven. And that was the big one. Uh, Christian McCaffrey going to the 49ers. What, what's your first thoughts? Obviously, the 49ers losing the game to the Chiefs. That aside, what is your first thought of CMC actually being a 49er and seeing it on the field rocking that 23? First of all, it just makes sense. Like on the one end, it looks really good. I think he looks good in a red 23. It's very Stanford reminiscent as well, too. That being said, I don't think this is a right now move. I think this is a long-term move as well, too. I think they did this for next year when Trey Lance comes back. I think this year, if you can get something out of him, it is a bonus. If you can go on a mini run here with Jimmy Garoppolo, that's great. But I think this is a long-term move since CMC does that is under contract for a few more years, I believe. Plus, Trey Lance is still on that rookie deal and has that fifth-year option as well coming up. So, they won't have to pay a lot for a quarterback if Trey Lance is that dude that they think he is, which means next year you have Trey Lance who you can use as like a running quarterback option. Hopefully not as much as they did at the start of this year. He's not a battering ram. Kyle Shanahan, you have Christian McCaffrey who you could play in the slot. You could play out wide. You could play at running back. You have Debo. Who you could play in the slot out wide or at running back. You have George Kittle. Who you could play in the slot or at tight end. You could probably put him out wide as well. And then yeah, you also got Brandon Ayuk who's coming into his own as well. Like, there's a lot of very, very versatile chess pieces with this team. And I think CMC lets them maximize that. And it allows them to just have a different type of game break. Because we've seen Jeff Wilson's, Elijah Mitchell's. They can plug and play just about anybody and be effective. Now you get someone that has an extra gear like that. Like that fourth gear of Nitrous who are playing too fast, too furious or something like that. Where it, they could, it could just get different. It allows Trey Lance to check it down four yards and get 40 yards. And not just to Debo Samuel. So. I think this is a long-term move that if it pays off now, that's great. I, that's kind of how I look. I don't think it's as much a move this year as it is long-term because they already trade away all their early picks. Your money's invested in Trent Williams at this point because, boy, did he get a big contract. At this point, it was more or less what's the best player. We, he's probably better than a lot of players you're going to get with those draft picks anyway. So I think it's a 
long-term move that if it benefits this year, it helps Jimmy Garoppolo since he's not throwing it beyond five yards over the middle of the field anyway. So I think it maximizes this year, but it's even better long-term. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I did enjoy seeing ZMC on the field, especially wearing 23. I just looked right uh, for some reason. I don't know. All right, and then before we wrap this up, I do want to get your your opinions on three games. I want to know what your thought is on the worst loss, the most I guess most surprise more surprising loss from this week, and it's between three games: Panthers over the Buccaneers, Commanders over the Packers, or the Seahawks over the Chargers. Which one do you think is more impactful for the season? Which one tells you a lot more? You know, I'm going to take the low hanging fruit. I'm going to say the Panthers beating the Bucks because not only did they beat them, they beat the brakes off of them. Not only did they beat the brakes off them, they did this two days after trading CMC. They did it with P.J. Walker as your starting quarterback as well, too. So Baker, Sam Darnold, Matt Corral, none of those guys. You brought in P.J. Walker, all reliable, <laughs> to get you that one random win per year. And I, th- I don't think it's going to change the Panthers' outlook for much. I think they're still going to be probably a lower team in that division. I think this is kind of a one-off. But for Tampa Bay, oh, boy. I'm not going to say that they're out of it because that division's terrible. But, boy, oh, boy, do they not look good right now. Their offense is sputtering. The defense is starting to have some cracks in it. They're struggling blocking. Tom Brady looks not old, but he doesn't look like Tom Brady of last year. That should have been MVP. Mike Evans is your only consistent weapon, it feels like, because Chris Godwin's been hurt. Julio Jones is gone, but we already knew that was going to happen. Leonard Fournette, they the team just looks messy. I think they'll be fine. They're still going to get to the playoffs, and that's where all the hell breaks loose. But right now, it's not, it's looking rough. It's really, So I'm going to go with that one just because Nobody really expected that one. Tampa Bay was 13-point favorites, and they lost by 18. Like That's how bad, that's how crazy it was. So I'm going to go with that one, but I'm curious what your thoughts are as well, too, between those three. Which one stands out to you? I actually am going to the Packers, uh, losing to the Commanders, because this is coming really off. This one is their third straight loss, um, and this comes off Aaron Rodgers' comments about, you know, players who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing, got to start cutting some reps, and maybe guys who aren't playing giving them a chance. And then after the game – he said, and I quote on the Pat McAfee show, nobody has raised this issue with me, not my teammates and not Matt, as in Matt LaFleur. I, I little bit off. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, this, this, and then, okay, this all comes with the report, obviously, talking about how he's, you know, looks disengaged, how he's not interested, how he, the, the whole thing I said before about him being the new age Jay Cutler, and everybody laughed at me and said, ha, 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 no, that's not possible. You're an idiot. Yeah, look at me now. He's the new age Jay Cutler, ladies and gentlemen. Right here on display for us. This team should be a lot better than they are. This team should not be second in their division. This team should not be sitting under 500. And yet both things are true. They are 3-4 and four on a three-game losing streak. Tied with the Bears. And yet Bears fans are still freaking out. Bears fans, calm down. And the Vikings are leading the division at 5-1. and one. Oh, and to make matters worse, they're only 500 at vaunted Lambeau Field. I, I'm sorry, but that's a big problem. Like when I'm looking at this just across the board, I'm like, "What is happening in, in Green Bay? And is Aaron Rodgers the solution long term for this season? Because right now, if he keeps playing the way he is, I don't think so. I, I think there needs to be a change made, either Aaron or somewhere else. There needs to be a change made because." This is is getting kind of crazy in there. Like, I mean, this is not what you'd expect from a franchise like the, the Packers. Hear me out here, Green Bay. Go trade for somebody. If you're, you knew this was going to happen with the young receivers. You knew it, it's kind of like LeBron doesn't play well with young players. Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well with young receivers as well, too, because of the because of the play style. Go get Elijah Moore. Go get DJ Moore. Go 
go throw a little bit of go throw some picks and throw some throw something out there. Go you're go trade one of your defensive players that's underproducing or something. Go trade something. Go get somebody like that. Go sign something has to happen. Go grab T. Y. Hilton. Like there's there are veteran players out there you could bring in that you need to go twelve and out. They will go twelve and out. They understand how that is. Christian Watson, we both kind of agreed that was and eh, that was not the receiver we wanted them to take, especially after you use your first two round first round picks on defense. Boy, mm-hmm. Alec Pierce would sure look nice in Green Bay, don't you think? Boy, George Pickens, can you mention that menace in Lambeau Field right now? Like, geez, wait, you were just looking. Obviously, you weren't going to get those top three or four guys because they all went so early, like Jamison Williams, Olave, Garrett Wilson, those guys. But there was a lot well, of hell, you I mean, you traded up to a point where you could have gotten well, two of those three guys. Oh, those guys were going at like 10, 11, 12. They were still in the 20s. But Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Jahan Dotson went at like 15, 16, so he was kind of out of out of the mix. But like, yeah. out of all the guys you could have got, you kind you grab the one guy that has a high up end, but needs time to be developed, and you don't have time to develop. Like you went, you grab went his quarterback long. equivalent, like his team is. You grab the Trey Lance of the receivers in this case, and Why? you got Romeo Dobbs, who is nice, but he shouldn't be arguably your number one target at this point. Like this, yeah. this is kind of a coming home to roost as well. Too at the same time, Aaron has to play better, if not excusing it, and you can't be saying some of the things he is saying out loud. But at the same time, you kind of made your own bed with this one. You had to expect it at this point. Like, make some moves that make sense, and you might have not have to worry about this. But I'm just imagining if they would have used those two first-round picks on receivers, George Pickens on one side, Alec Pierce on the other side, Romeo Dobbs or Randall Cobb in the slot. Like, that is a menacing outside duo as well. Like, that's what we were talking about when we did the draft special. Like, here it is. It's receiver Quay Walker. Okay, well, Quay Walker's nice, but I don't know about that now. All right, here they go again. Wait, what? Like, yeah. they – their decisions were really wacky, and I think it's coming on the roost because that defense is underperforming badly too. Yeah, well, not badly, it's, it's but underproducing a little bit considering how much was invested in. Yeah, I think I think both. I mean, both games we talked about. Obviously, the Bucks and the Packers are both worrisome, but I feel like the Packers to me is just a little bit more so for all those reasons, just because it's like we're watching a guy who's one of the greatest quarterbacks of our generation just literally fall apart in front of our faces, and on the other side for the Bucks, we're watching. The goat of quarterbacks, if you will, for most people, and he's falling apart before our eyes because his team can't catch the ball and they can't stop anything. They can't stop a nosebleed defensively at this point in time. It's like it's it's, it's tough. So they do have the beneficiary of having nobody in their division. Where unfortunately the Packers have the Vikings and the suddenly starting to crank it up a little bit. Bears as well. So and the frisky Lions. So they the little different. Weirdly enough, the division might be a little more dangerous. So there's a and lot. The Bucks are still tied with the Falcons. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Never forget that as well, too. For those of you who did forget, don't you forget again. They're, they're right there in the Saints. They've been struggling. The injury bug has been killing them, but they they get healthy. You never know. They have looked good. The couple of tight games have been healthy. The problem is it was literally for eight quarters, and it has not been that way since. But a lot to keep an eye out with those as well, too. There's a lot going on in Week 7 in the NFL, and I'm really curious in our next, when we start talking about this in a couple of weeks after the trade deadline, how things have moved, too. We'll come probably come back and look at this and be like, all right, Colts, full tank season, or, or we'll come back and be like, all right, Sam Ellinger season, they're going for it all. Start trading, start make, start buying instead of selling, and everything in between. Maybe Odell will have signed with the the Packers by then. Definitely looking forward to seeing how these teams all shape themselves out moving forward. But that will go ahead and do it here for our main event. Is Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Well, to a wonderful recap as well. College football, once you meant, I'll go and give a quick shout out too, to the orange versus the orange and the orange come out on top as Clemson avoids a huge upset over Syracuse as well. Again, you are very, very interested in as well. Yeah, very close game. Uh, very almost... Almost pulled it off, Syracuse did. Almost so close as well, too. A very, very, very close one. Something to keep an eye on is DJU getting pulled in that game as well, too. So we'll see how that affects it going throughout the rest of the season. But that will do it for our main event. That will take us now into Kelsey's favorite part of every show, and that is crunch time. We do some quick rants, recaps, or rankings of something that is on our mind. And Kelsey, the title says it all. This is your segment. Take it away, my guy. All right, Russell Wilson. So if you guys hadn't seen his diet plan that came out today, he decides he has only one bowel movement a week now which i just it provides extra padding for him to get hit big time on sundays anyways i digress russell wilson continues with his just what is going on in your mind russell wilson moments because you have that you have him doing high knees going into london on the plane Uh, i I don't dj help me out here what is (laughs) russell wilson like what is happening in russell are we seeing the antonio brown moment for russell wilson's career i wouldn't go that far not quite that far but He's a goofy, goofy dude, and unfortunately, it's fine and dandy when you're playing elite. You can kind of deal with some other goofiness. It was the same thing there, Rodgers and his quirkiness and everything like that. Unfortunately, now you're not winning, you're playing terrible, and you're hurt, and the team's miserable. Now all that stuff is on full display as well. So that it's there's some rough times in Denver. This might go down as the worst trade ever, and not in the way that we thought it was, the way it's going so far if this continues. Oh, and I cannot wait to put my my uh, first impressions of that trade hmm. on replay all hmm. season long. If they after they after they blow this and, and he's like seven losses, eight losses, and they finish one of the worst records in the NFL, I cannot wait for that moment. Absolutely. Well, that was definitely he's a weird dude, but we won't spend too much time on that as well, too. But that will do it for the High Low Sports Podcast here today. We appreciate you all joining us. We will see you guys again later. Thank you for joining. Us. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.